Psalm 110 and Isaiah chapter 9. As we read these two passages, I'd like to ask you to, to pay attention and see if you recognize who these two passages of Scripture are ultimately speaking about. So first, Psalm 110, the word of the Lord. The Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. The Lord will extend your mighty scepter from Zion. You will rule in the midst of your enemies. Your troops will be willing on your day of battle. Arrayed in holy majesty from the womb of the dawn, you will receive the dew of your youth. The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. The Lord is at your right hand. He will crush kings on the day of his wrath. He will judge the nations, heaping up the dead and crushing the rulers of the whole earth. He will drink from a brook beside the way. Therefore, he will lift up his head. And then we'll read from Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah 9 verse 2. Through seven. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as men rejoice when dividing the plunder. From the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar that across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. So far, our reading from God's word. Let's now sing from Psalm 72, the stanzas 3 and 4. Bibles to Genesis chapter 13, or sorry, Genesis chapter 14. And we'll read the whole chapter of Genesis 14. This will also be the text for the sermon. So picking up where we left off uh, this morning with Genesis 13, we read in chapter 14, at this time Amraphel king of Shinar, Arioch king of Elisar, Keterleomer, king of Elam, and Tidal, king of Goyim, went to war against Bera, king of Sodom, Birsha, king of Gomorrah, Shinab, king of Adma, Shemeber, king of Zeboim, and the king of Bela, that is Zoar. 
All these latter kings joined forces in the valley of Sidim, the Salt Sea. For twelve years they had been subject to Kedarlaomer, but in the thirteenth year they rebelled. In the fourteenth year, Kedarlaomer and the kings allied with him went out and defeated the Rephaites in Ashtaroth Karnaim, the Zuzites in Ham, the Emites in Shaveh Kiriathaim, and the Horites in the hill country of Seir, as far as El Paran near the desert. Then they turned back and went to En Mishpat, that is Kadesh, and they conquered the whole territory of the Amalekites, as well as the Amorites who were living in Hazazon Tamar. Then the king of Sodom, the king of Gomorrah, the king of Adma, the king of Zeboim, and the king of Bela, that is Zoar, marched out and drew up their battle lines in the valley of Sidim against Kedileomer, king of Elam, Tidal, king of Goyim, Amraphel, king of Shinar, and Arioch, king of Elisar, four kings against five. Now the valley of Sidim was full of tarprits, tar pits, and when the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah fled, some of the men fell into them, and the rest fled to the hills. The four kings seized all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah and all their food. Then they went away. They also carried off Abram's nephew Lot and his possessions, since he was living in Sodom. One who had escaped came and reported this to Abram the Hebrew. Now Abram was living near the great trees of Mamre the Amorite, a brother of Eshcol and Aner, all of whom were allied with Abram. When Abram heard that his relative had been taken captive, he called out the 318 trained men born in his household and went in pursuit as far as Dan. During the night, Abram divided his men to attack them and he routed them, pursuing them as far as Hobah, north of Damascus. He recovered all the goods and brought back his relative Lot and his possessions, together with the women and the other people. After Abram returned from defeating Kedarlaomer and the kings allied with him, the king of Sodom came out to meet him in the valley of Sheveh, that is, the king's valley. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was priest of God Most High, and he blessed Abram, saying, Blessed be Abram by God Most High, creator of heaven and earth, and blessed be God Most High, who delivered your enemies into your hand. Then Abram gave him a tenth of everything. The king of Sodom said to Abram, Give me the people and keep the goods for yourselves, for yourself. But Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have raised my hand to the Lord, God Most High, creator of heaven and earth, and I have taken an oath that I will accept nothing belonging to you, not even a thread or the thong of a sandal, so that you will never be able to say, I made Abram rich. I will accept nothing but what my men have eaten and the share that belongs to the men who went with me, to Aner, Eshcol, and Mamre. Let them have their share. So far, God's word. Dear brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ, we read together from a couple of passages from the Old Testament, from Psalm 110 and Isaiah 9. And I asked you to, to consider whether you recognize who these passages are speaking about. You see, both of these passages are a prophecy about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and the kind of king that he is for his people. 
Together, these prophecies bear witness to the reality that Jesus, our Lord and our Savior, is both a king and a priest who brings peace to the people that he rescues and rules. As our king, he conquers our enemies, and as our priest, he ensures our peace with God. As it says in the prophecy of Isaiah chapter 9, our Savior Jesus is the Prince of Peace. In the text for the preaching this afternoon, we find a foreshadowing of our Savior's role as this Prince of Peace. Both his kingly and his priestly roles as the Prince of Peace are pictured for us in our story of Abram and Melchizedek in Genesis 14. So it's my prayer that God may help us by his Holy Spirit to recognize Jesus, our Savior, as the Prince of Peace who rescues us from our enemies and who ensures our peace with God as I preach the gospel from this text under the theme, Recognize Jesus, the Prince of Peace. First, as your need, looking at verse 1 to 12. Second, as your rescuer, verse 13 to 16. And third, as your portion, verse 17 to 24. First, recognize Jesus as your need. What is it that happens in the first part of our story? There's a lot that's going on, a lot of big names, some sort of battle. Well, our text tells us about a war that takes place in the time of Abram in the area near Sodom and Gomorrah. This was where Abram's nephew Lot had chosen to settle, an area near the Dead Sea. And Abram was sojourning in the hill country of Canaan, in the land that the Lord had promised to give to him. But his nephew Lot had chosen for himself the lush lowlands of the Jordan Valley to the east of the promised land, and in the direction of the wicked cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. That's the story that was told for us in chapter 13. And when we come to chapter 14, We're told in verse 12, if you take a look at the end of verse 12, Lot was actually living in Sodom. In chapter 13, he went and pitched his tent near Sodom and Gomorrah. By chapter 14, he's living in Sodom. And so it happened that Lot was taken captive and Abram had to come to his rescue. Now the war that we read about was the result of an uprising, a rebellion. In those days, the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah made an alliance with the kings of three other cities and they rebelled against Kederleomer, the king of Elam, who had been their overlord for 12 years. You see, the situation was this. These kings were tired of paying taxes to the king of Elam. And so these five kings banded together and rebelled against their overlord in the 13th year and stopped paying their taxes. Well, in response, Kederleomer, king of Elam, the greatest of these kings, he assembled an army. And he gathered together also three of his allies, and together they marched south to put down this rebellion. And look at how successful they were. They swept through and defeated a whole number of people along the way. The Rephaim, the Emim, Horites, Amalekites, and Amorites, one after another, fell to this great army. This army of the four kings under Kedileomer was apparently unbeatable. 
And when they came to the area by Sodom and Gomorrah, then sure enough, also here, they are the victors. It was four kings against five in the valley of Sidim. Kedarlaomer and his three against the king of Sodom and his four. And you would think that Sodom had the advantage. It was five on four. In hockey terms, that's a power play. And this is on home ice. But it's a disaster. Sodom and his allies, they suffer a humiliating loss and flee from the battlefield for the hills. Some of them don't even make it that far, but fall into, bit, into tar pits, that black stuff that they use to make asphalt. And Kederleomer and his allies, they sweep through the cities and plunder them. They take all the possessions of Sodom and Gomorrah, and they also take Lot, Abram's nephew, and all his possessions. And then they continue on their way. Well, let's pause here and ask, what can we learn from this? Well, do you recognize here in what has happened to Lot, perhaps, a picture of what we all deserve? Although Lot knew about the promises that God had made to his uncle Abram concerning the land of Canaan, Lot had lifted up his eyes and looked beyond the borders of blessing to the apparently greener grass near Sodom. And before long, he was living in that city of wickedness. And before long, he was experiencing the painful consequences of his poor decisions. All his possessions were stripped away from him, and Lot and his household were taken captive. Well, so much for that greener grass. But do you recognize something of your own story reflected in this? Have you perhaps made choices in your own life that were based more on selfish desire than trust in God? Have these choices made your life more miserable as you've experienced the painful consequences? If you think about it, I'm sure many of us can actually relate to Lot's situation on that level. You see, it's something that God has built into his world that our actions and our choices and decisions, they have consequences. And when we make bad choices, particularly when we make sinful choices, sinful, that is, choices against the will of God, then misery and pain are the natural result. This was what Lot was experiencing at the hands of Kedileomer, ultimately by the hand of the Lord. He was experiencing misery and pain as a consequence of bad choices. And who of us hasn't experienced that in one form or another in our own lives? In fact, whether we realize it or not, we've all made choices in our lives that weren't just unwise, but that were sinful. And we deserve to experience the painful consequences of these choices. And yet I wondered, do we recognize this? Every time you or I choose to put ourselves and our wills first before God and his will, we are making a sinful choice that is worthy of punishment. Do you recognize that? Do you accept that it would be right for God to punish you because it was wrong for you to put yourself before him? Do you recognize God's justice? Or do you maybe question it? Do you think that you deserve better? 
When you experience the consequences of sin, do you raise your fist against God? Or do you bow your head and confess your sinfulness, your unworthiness of special treatment, your deserving of God's heavy wrath and his perfect righteousness and justice? In short, do you truly recognize your need for a savior such as the Bible presents to us in the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you recognize your need for Jesus, the Prince of Peace, the only Savior who can truly meet your need as a rebel against God Most High, the Creator of heaven and earth? The call of the Gospel comes to us this afternoon. Consider the consequences of Lot's choice. Consider the consequences of your own choices. Repent, turn, and recognize Jesus, the Prince of Peace, as your greatest need in all the world. And then second, recognize Jesus also as your rescuer. The first part of our text told us how the armies of a great king, Keterleomer, king of Elam, marched through a whole number of territories, subduing every people in their path, including the alliance of the five kings in the Dead Sea territory, where they took Abram's kinsman, Lot, captive. Well, interestingly, Keterleomer and his allies had come from the same general area where the later Assyrian and Babylonian empires were to be based. And there would come a day in the history of God's people, Israel, when the Lord would deliver first the northern tribes of Israel into the hands of the Assyrians, and then the southern tribes into the hands of the Babylonians, as he had once delivered Lot into the hands of the Elamites, in each case as a consequence of sinful choices. As Lot in the days of their forefather Abram, so the Israelites would be taken into captivity by foreign armies. And then get this, the Lord delivered Lot out of his captivity and routed the foreign kings by the hand of Abram, just as he promised later through the prophets to do for the Israelites, through Abram's offspring, the Messiah, the son of David. Well, Abram heard that Lot had been taken captive and he set out with a small army to rescue his relative. You might ask, what is he thinking? Having read through all those great armies that these, this army has already defeated. But we're not told exactly what Abram's thinking, only that this is what he did and that he was successful. Against all odds, Abram with his little army of 318 men, was successful against this great army. This wasn't merely a military victory. This was a victory won by the Lord. Abram pursued the foreign armies all the way up to Dan in the north of Israel, of Canaan. He divided his forces and attacked them with the element of surprise by cover of darkness, and he defeated them. He rescued Lot and the other captives, and he recovered all the possessions. Well, here again, we can ask, do you recognize in this a picture of your rescuer, the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you experienced a deliverance like Lot experienced at the hand of Abram by the hand of the Lord, 
a deliverance like God promised to the Israelites by the hand of the Messiah? If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you have. Now in the case of Lot and the Israelites, there, were, there was an obvious outward dimension to their captivity that required an outward deliverance. And yet these outward and visible events pictured and pointed towards the inward and invisible spiritual reality that we are all by nature captive to sin and Satan. Not simply to foreign armies, but to sin and Satan. We are all under the curse and condemnation of God's righteous judgment and desperately need a rescuer who can deliver us from our spiritual captivity and condemnation. And this is what Jesus, the Prince of Peace, has done for believers by his life and death and resurrection. He conquered our spiritual enemies, the devil, the world, and our sinful flesh. And he rescued us from the just judgment of God that we should have suffered because of our rebellious and selfish choices. And how did he do it? Well, like Abram, not by military might, but our Lord Jesus Christ did it through the power of his cross and resurrection. Yes, he showed his power over the forces of evil throughout the time of his ministry on earth. For example, through his miracles and through his driving out of demons. But it was especially by his death that Jesus defeated the devil and redeemed his people from slavery to sin, bearing God's judgment against sin in his people's place. Through Jesus, through his life and death and resurrection, God has accomplished the rescue of his people that he promised through the prophets, but that he also pictured all the way back in Genesis 14 through Abram's rescue of Lot. Do you recognize this? Do you recognize Jesus, the Prince of Peace, as your rescuer? Do you look to this Jesus and him alone as the one whom God has given to be your savior and your king, your prince of peace? Do you accept that the salvation he has accomplished for you is the kind of salvation that you need? Not a salvation from financial difficulties, not a salvation from disease and illness, but the salvation from your greatest need, which is captivity to selfishness and sin. The call of the gospel that comes to us this afternoon from this second part of our text is to consider Abram's rescue of Lot, to consider Jesus' rescue of his people Israel, to consider the cross and the resurrection of Jesus the Messiah, and to recognize Jesus, the Prince of Peace, as your greatest rescuer in all the world. Not with eyes of flesh, but with eyes of faith, as we heard this morning. The call of the gospel is to give Jesus the recognition that he deserves by trusting him with all your heart. And that brings us to our third point. Recognize Jesus as your portion, that is what your heart needs. When Abram returned from his rescue mission, he was greeted by two kings. One of the kings 
who went out to meet him was the king of Sodom, that city in which, the, which in the Bible is associated with great wickedness. The other king was the king of Salem. And Salem, the word Salem is close to the Hebrew word for peace, the Hebrew word shalom. This king's name was Melchizedek, which means king of righteousness. Melchi is king. Zedek is righteousness, so king of righteousness. So this king of righteousness and this king of peace, Melchizedek, he comes down from the city of Salem to the valley of Shaveh, and he greets Abram with a blessing. He says, Blessed be Abram by God Most High, creator of heaven and earth, and blessed be God Most High who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And then he brings out bread and wine to share a meal with him. Well, who is this mysterious man and this, with this remarkable name whom God sends to Abram with his blessing and this meal of bread and wine? The only other thing that we're told about him is that he was a priest of God Most High. And so this king was a priest, a royal priest, and a priestly king. And this priest king comes to Abram on behalf of God Most High with a meal of bread and wine and with a blessing, and he reminds Abram that the Lord is his portion and his provider. This is what Abram then acknowledges symbolically by giving a tenth of everything to this priest of the Lord. And when the king of Sodom suggests that Abram give him the persons and take the spoils for himself, Abram again acknowledges the Lord as his portion and provider as he refuses. And he says, I swear to the Lord, God most high, creator of heaven and earth, that I will not take a thread or a sandal strap or anything that is yours, lest you should say, I have made Abram rich. Well, to paraphrase this, what Abram is saying is, I don't need the riches of this world that you're offering because I have an inheritance from the Lord. The Lord, he is my portion and provider. We'll sing of this from Psalm 73 as our closing song this afternoon. The Lord is my portion and provider. This, in essence, was what Abram was recognizing and confessing as he offered his tithe to the priest king of Salem and as he refused the possessions of the king of Sodom. Abram was recognizing the Lord, God Most High, the Prince of Peace, as his portion and provider. And how about you? Do you recognize this same Lord, who ultimately is the Lord Jesus, do you recognize Jesus as your portion and provider? Jesus, Abram's offspring and Abram's Lord, David's son and David's Lord. Jesus is the prince of peace and the priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. He has conquered all his enemies through his death and risen and ascended to the throne at his father's right hand as the great king of his people as the great rescuer and ruler of his people. There he reigns from the heavenly Salem with all authority in heaven and on earth as that great king. But there he also intercedes for us as our great high priest 
with the merits of the sacrifice which he offered once and for all in his death on the cross, so making peace between God and his people. And now this Jesus, the priestly prince of peace, himself the true bread and true wine from God, this Jesus comes to you and me today in the gospel and he calls you and me today to recognize him and him alone as our portion and our provider. Do we hear his call? Are you able to say with Abram, I don't need the riches of this world because I have Jesus, the Lord, as my portion and provider? And are you able to say that here right now on Sunday and then also to live it from Monday to to Saturday? Where are you seeking satisfaction for the desires of your heart? It's the same question as we asked God's word asked of us this morning. Are you seeking satisfaction where the world offers it in self-indulgence or are you seeking satisfaction where the Lord offers it in himself? The choice is before us. God or mammon? Jesus or Sodom? Who will you and I recognize as our portion and provider? Let it be Jesus, the Prince of Peace. Amen. Let's respond to the preaching of God's word by singing Psalm 76, stanza 1 and 5. And then we'll follow that up by confessing our faith with the words of the Apostles' Creed as put to music in hymn one. So Psalm 76, one and five, followed by hymn one. <laughs> 